Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, this is Stuart Roberts, founder of Haircuts for Homeless, and welcome to the Hear Me, See Me podcast. I'm going to be talking to people who are truly inspirational to me, some you may have heard of, and some you haven't, but you really need to hear their story. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me, See Me podcast. Um, today I've got a great human being with me. Not known him long, but I feel like I've known him forever. Um, we've got so much in common. So uh, today I'm talking to Luke Christo. How you doing, mate? I'm very well, Stu. Thank you for having me, mate. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? I can't wait for people to hear your, uh, your story and the exciting thing that we're gonna that we'll get onto later. But to begin with, people who don't know you, um, tell us about you, like you know where you grew up and and your journey to here. Um, so I'm 35. Uh, lived in London my whole life from Finsbury Park originally. Um, I've lived in Aldgate, East London, for like the last four or five years. Um, I've been barbering for the last three years. Prior to that, I was a tattoo artist um, for about five years. Did the two kind of in tandem for a while, um, but exclusively barbering for the last um, a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, did hairdressing when I left school, um, but then very little to do with hair um, for like the next 10 years or so. Um, did various jobs, worked as a, a teaching assistant in primary schools, um, teaching English and, and mindfulness meditation to, to primary school children, um, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, decided to get back into hair um, towards the end of 2019. Um, my tattoo work was kind of fluctuating and I just I felt as though I needed something um, more stable alongside it. Um, and I thought that the, the two would work quite well in tandem. Um, both being kind of pretty creative, um, heavily reliant on dexterity, um, and the, the two kind of scenes, for want of a better word, um, work alongside each other pretty well. Uh, so in 2019, I did an intensive uh, barbering course, um, which lasted nine weeks um, and qualified um, the week before we went into the first lockdown. As you love. <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously did absolutely nothing to do with hair or tattooing for the next four months. Yeah. Uh, then started working at Thy Barber on Cheshire Street, just off of Brick Lane, um, where I'm still working, um, in July 2020. That's a cool place. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know it, check out Thy Barber on Instagram and stuff. It's a, such a cool uh, place that I've I've been to see you, but we'll talk about that a bit later. So um, we, so you said, you know, like I know you're like me, you're you're sober. So how about your sober journey? Yeah, how, how how's that been? <laughs> Always had a, a pretty. I was going to say ambivalent. It's not ambivalent. I've had a pretty like pernicious, injurious relationship with with drinking drugs pretty yeah. much since I drinking when I was 15, 16. Um, I, I, my first um, fellowship meeting when I was 21. Right. Um, 
didn't get it at all. I think I managed about four weeks sober. Um, and I've been in and out since then. When I was 25, um, I, I really started to, to kind of grasp the program. I, I had a fantastic sponsor um, who I'm still in contact with now. I've known him since I was about 16. Yeah. Um, and I, I worked through the steps with him um, and I, I managed um, six years sober. Um, towards the end of that six years, uh, meeting attendance was quite, kind of dwindling a bit. Um, it, it's kind of the, the usual story of isolating, feeling disconnected from the fellowship, um, not keeping in contact with other recovering addicts. Um, Convincing myself that I could moderate my drinking and my drug use, um, which I, I managed to do successfully, for want of a better word, for about a month. Um, the, the, the kind of usual pattern of drinking and using. Um, cut a long story short, was uh, back out there for about a year. Um, and I'm now, I'm actually two years clean again this week. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I mean, at, at this time around it, I don't want to tempt fate and there's, there's always that, that fear of complacency slipping back in, but, but this time around it's, it's felt infinitely easier and I feel as though I'm, I'm really kind of Really embracing recovery. Um, I think for those those six years that that I was sober, um, although I, I really kind of grasped the program, and uh, for most of that six years, meeting attendance was regular. I was in regular contact with my sponsor. Um, at the time, I was like in my mid to late twenties, and the whole time I did kind of feel as though um, it was some sort of some sort of penance. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt I kind of indignant or hard done by, like, yeah. like something. Um, not all the time, but for a lot of the time. And I, I really struggled with that. Whereas this time around, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 36. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very settled. I was going to say I'm very content. So sometimes I don't know if it's contentment or apathy. It just comes with age. But yeah. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I feel, I feel very stable at the moment and I'm really enjoying sobriety. I'm really enjoying recovery. Yeah. Um, and there's, I think there's always a, a tendency to kind of look back and think, oh, if only I'd felt like this when I was 25, but it's, it's all part of life and it's a learning curve. I mean, in, in respect, I'm like, I did come in when I was 44. So those <laughs> feelings I get, you know, like of God, why did, where would my life have been, you know, yeah, it would have been if I'd have got it earlier. Uh, you know, um, she won't mind me saying because she's very open about it. But my youngest is she done her first chair last night. She's uh, got a year next month. Oh, amazing! Man. She's sort of twenty three, like, and it's that I I I, it, I struggle now to see people coming in <laughs> at that age. But there are people coming in at that age, and and or people in their early 30s who came in at that age and they've got 10 years and they've they, they done it. But, you know, me at that age, God, I don't, I can't imagine it. 
But you, you cannot, it doesn't matter when it comes, me 44, people come in at 60, you know, it don't matter. Because if you can change your life at any point, you've got a new beginning, you know. Absolutely. And I really relate to what you're saying. That first, I suppose the first few years for me was that I was in penance, I was being punished and I was going without. But until it, there's a shift, there's a paradigm shift at some point where you just, this is your new life. And so when you're presenting that thing of, you know, and you just, this is just how I am now, takes a while. But then, then the, as you say, you can just enjoy being sober because you just are sober, you know. But it takes a while. Like, is that all that sort of initial step of, like, I can't, I just, I just cannot have it. I can't have drink and I can't have drugs. Because yeah. I just, and it, it's not not fair. I'm just different to other people, you know. It's like some people can do it. They can do it. I've got mates. They can do all of it without, with impunity. <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the major difference this time around is I've, I've stopped defining myself by what I'm unable to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I've, I've stopped kind of... Um, almost labelling myself as recovering addict. Yeah. I forced an identity out of that recovering addict label. Um, And I don't know if that was some sort of, um, almost like my my safety net. If I got it out there early, recovering addict, it it, it protected me from from temptation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm around. It's just I, I, I happen to be someone who doesn't drink. Yeah. That's a Which massive is- difference, isn't it? It's a big difference. It don't sound a lot, but that's a big difference in that statement. It's a huge difference. For me, it's a huge difference because I don't feel like I'm clinging on for dear life to this identity that I've forged. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You sort of... I, I've worn it for a badge for a lot of years, really. But I'm a lot more relaxed now. I'm just... Um, and, I'm and there's... Stuart. Is that... <laughs> is that- kind of wearing it as a badge of honour because it's definitely something to be proud of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just being being aware, being mindful of why you're wearing it as a badge of honour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. The motivation behind it is do you, you're wearing it as a badge to help inspire other people or to the thing that we suffer from is that huge? Are you, really, are you wearing it as a badge to sort of stimulate your ego, which is... You know, we suffer from a huge ego and a chronic low self-esteem, so it's a deadly combination. So we can't dip too down into our low self-esteem and we can't push up into our ego. We have to try and stay level when we can, don't we? Absolutely. The Buddha's middle way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 not good for us. <laughs> too much excitement. I went to the Laurel Colour Trophy finals last night and I had to keep pushing myself down because it's quite an exciting thing to be at, you know. And, uh, yeah. you know, obviously I was in the VIP area because, you know, I am such a VIP. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but you sort of, like, you are talking to your hair heroes and that yeah. and then you pinch yourself a bit but then you have to stop showing off because you're like, you want to impress. You go, I don't need to impress anyone. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm here at my own value. Uh you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Um, and it's a big room full of egos at hairdressing. I mean, it's like, it's a, if you want to see egos on display in their, in their finery, I'm not even knocking people. 
But yeah. it's, it's an interesting place that people watch. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've got to go over straight away to this because it's just something that's hitting me at the moment really strongly because I'm, I'm going through a bit of a time and um, I don't mind saying I've really been struggling mentally for the last couple of few, you know, two or three months. Got a lot going on and I'm really, really struggling, even with all my tools I've got. I've reached out for outside help uh, through the NHS because um, my funds ain't great at the moment, so I can't self-fund um, it. So, and, and the frustration then is that there's limited access to all of the stuff that I need. They've said I need PTSD therapy and stuff like that. Um, so I, I'm on the treadmill. And what I've reached out for self-help is uh, obviously using my program, all my tools I've got, but the bit extra I need, I've been reaching out for mindfulness. And, and like Ruby Wax has got this brilliant book out, Mindfulness, um, A Guide to the Frazzled. So I've got it on audio in my van as I'm driving around. I've got Ruby Wax shouting at me to be calm, <laughs> which is, it, it, and it's really affected this stuff. But I'm so intrigued that you did it at school. What a... Um, and that must have been a while ago. I didn't even know that that had broken through. What a fantastic thing for school children. Absolutely, Matt. I mean, I, I wish that I'd been taught some form of meditation um, when I was a lot younger because I, I extolled the virtues enough. It, it's been transformative for me. Um, I've been practising mindfulness for uh, over 10 years now. Uh, and I, I initially got into it when I was really struggling with my, my mental health. And it was around the time that I um, first got into recovery. Um, and I was, I was seeing a, um, a private counsellor who happened to teach um, the mindfulness-based stress reduction programme, which was a, um, a mindfulness programme uh, created by a a great mindfulness practitioner called John Kabat-Zinn, who I highly recommend checking out. Um, he does these amazing guided uh, meditations with like these sort of, he's, he's really kind of mellifluous and dulcet, like this sort of Californian drawl. Um, you struggle not to fall asleep, but, um, but it's, it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's really therapeutic. But I, I um, did that course, which was uh, six weeks. Um, and I'd been practicing as much as I could. I tried to practice daily um, since then. And um, I happened to be working in uh, a primary school at the time as a teaching assistant um, with a really kind of liberal, progressive head teacher who um, I'd heard about the, the Mindfulness in Schools project um, through this counsellor that I was seeing. Um, and it was basically... a um, uh, child-friendly um, version of the mindfulness-based stress reduction program. Um, I want to say child-friendly. It's, it's very, it's very visual. It's very tactile. It's very structured. Yeah. Um, so it was six um, one-hour lessons um, that I trained to teach, and I ended up teaching to small groups of year six children, so aged ten and eleven. Um, I think all of whom had um, some sort of special educational needs. Um, and they, they found it 
really beneficial. They found it really helpful. And it was really helpful for me as well because it's kind of similar to going to a meeting where you're kind of, you're, you're all, you're all meditating together. There's a kind of, uh, a bit of a, um, a bit of a synergy there. Um, and it, 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 was, it was really, really therapeutic. Yeah. Oh, I, it, it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that schools have got to really invest in, you know. They've got, you know, it's just it's crucial. Those young minds have got to be helped at that age because they're bombarded with all this other stuff so early now. Exactly. And, Especially in the modern day, like when you've got, um, I mean, most of them spent a lot of their time on on iPads. Yeah. Uh, they're just kind of constantly overwhelmed by, by stimuli. Yeah. Um, visual... Um, Audio, do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. it, it. Um, so it's it's vitally important for them to just be able to kind of stop, take a step back, and um, breathe and be present. Yeah, I mean, it's helped me no end the, the last few weeks where I've had um, like panic attacks and like in the. I'm alright in a conscious state because I can use my tools, but what happens is the subconscious takes over once I sleep. So any little thing, waking up two in the morning, the bed soaking wet. Uh, I can't breathe and all those things. And just yeah. the, the, those tools that, that I've learned from just this audio book has been, you know, and I thought I had lots of tools with recovery, but sometimes you've used them too long and they're not as effective, you know, like you can't reach on them as powerfully as as when you've, if you've done them for a long, like 17 years, you know, the old serenity prayer's gone a bit <laughs> but um even though it, I do that on a daily basis, about on an hourly basis, really. But the, the the breathing techniques that she says in her thing, and you know, bring bring in awareness, to, and then working from your body, from the scalp down to my toes, and it does slow everything down, you know. And I've been actually been out to get back to sleep a lot quicker. So it's something you can do yourself. There are things you can with all the things we're struggling. We've all got this stuff going on, but sometimes you need to get. The right help but sometimes you've got to try and find things you can do yourself absolutely absolutely and it, it's something that i do i do my sort of um my more formal meditation more often than not um, a longer one like the body or minute um sitting meditation but but quite frequently just to kind of uh center myself and if i find myself becoming overwhelmed by things. Um, I mean, I'm like most of us in recovery. I'm, I'm an overthinker. Um, and I, I can ruminate. I'm obsessional about what are probably trivial things throughout the day. And it's, it's so debilitating. Um, and if I, if I can sense myself, if I can sense my thoughts kind of spiralling, I'll just take a step back do a quick breathing space meditation and I'm kind of re-centered. Yeah. Um, it stops that associative thinking spiraling, um, which can be pretty damaging for me. Yeah. Because uh, it might kind of send me on a, a path that I don't want to go on and I'll, I'll end up thinking about things I really don't want to think about. Um, yeah. So really beneficial for me throughout the day to just kind of take a step back Focus on my breathing and be like, right, okay, I'm, I'm present. What, what have I got to face in this moment? I mean, an advice for people out there as well, 
generally there's a magic room everywhere you go and the magic room is the loo like if, yeah. you, if you want to get fight like you know or you don't want to be there too long they think you've got a stomach problem but if you if you want a couple of minutes of you know safety you know somewhere solitary that you can go and compose yourself bang you know nearest toilet like settle yourself down you know absolutely absolutely yeah although well, you have to pay yeah probably <laughs> yeah, if you've got 40 pence in change on you, that I found out. <laughs> and at my age, I don't get longer wait. And I was like, so I was scrabbling, I was in, where was I? Whitby. And, I was, and I'd gone down all these like, steps and I was nearly peeing myself. And I was like, no, I need two 20 pences. I was about to vault over. <laughs> yeah, modern day living. But, um, Right, let's, let's, you know, um, there's so much I don't want to miss out on while we're chatting. And, like, we first met because you reached out to me uh, as someone who, we get this quite a bit, actually, someone who, under their own steam, are already out doing haircuts for homeless. You know, not under our banner, they're just doing it under their own steam. And you messaged me and... Um, I thought, oh, he's an interesting looking guy, you know, because <laughs> you've got you got a look, and you. And I thought, I've got to go and see him. Um, and you said you were doing it, and I said, well, best way, why don't I come along and join you, which I try and do when someone's already doing it. And uh, I was blown away because we went to the wonderful. Uh, without to say where it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, Acorn House, which is in Shoreditch. Um, what a fantastic! I love recovery based um, places like that. Um, and I come and cut hair with you, didn't I? You did, mate. It was a great day. I really enjoyed it. It was really good. I did. I did. I had a few set. Uh, you know, parking was a struggle in the old van. <laughs> Cost me a fortune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the train to Shoreditch if you're going. But um, it was it was really good. I, I love the fact that the guys in there are on a program. They're they're working towards recovery. Um, so it, it 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 I just and I love the fact that you were you were all already there and you didn't need us. This is this is what happens with haircuts for under sometimes. It's not a new thing. We've been doing it a long time and we when we started it, it was like there weren't that much of it about. Now there's lots of it about, which is fantastic. Um but we've met a few people like yourself who sometimes are doing it. And I think you've seen since the benefits of our umbrella. Like, we call it our family. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. from this family, you know, because we can bring a lot of help and support with what we like to think is without taking over. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, the, the 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 help and the support from you guys has been invaluable, um, and it, it has felt like a, a family. It's it's been so. Um, it's such a such a great support network. Yeah, uh, it would have been it would have been infinitely more difficult were I not under the haircuts for homeless umbrella. Um, and I'm I'm very grateful to you guys, mate. Oh yeah, it goes without saying that it's reciprocated. But because um, when we first had that chat, the, the the first time we met, we cut some hair, met some great people. But you did say that thing that you've got in your mind of the 
the 12 step to barbering program that you wanted to do. And I had some experience because we, we had approached it in the past, pandemic hit us at the time. Um, we done it on a, not so much barbering, but it was on hairdressing because I've met a lot of homeless people who, who were saying, oh, I got to me level two, but then, you know, I become homeless. I couldn't continue it any further. couldn't get into work. And we thought, why, why can't we try to take that to another level? And um, we did some stuff with Jet Training in Basildon. They were fantastic. They gave everything, all the facilities free, everything. But it was quite a, a, a full-on, time-inclusive uh, one-on-one for one person that with being the sort of fragile, vulnerable people that we're dealing with doesn't always go work out. Um, and it was on my radar to keep, you know, somehow to get that going again. And when you said it, um, it was music to me years. And I thought, well, and it's no dis- like barbering is a bit more, you can get the early stage of barbering a lot easier than you can get the, the whole of hairdressing, you know, because there's so many other things involved with colour and all that. But barbering is something you can get the basics under your belt fairly quick if you're in, if you're, if you're really into it. And you had it all ready to go. And I just like said to you, you know, do your own thing or if you want to do it with us, we'll give you every, every help. And that we, we're lucky. We've got quite a few people that have supported us over the years that we can then share that with. And then there it was. And then, then you come up with the 12 steps to bathroom, which I, I absolutely love. I love it. <laughs> Tell us about it. Tell us about 12 steps to bathroom before I walk along too much. Doing haircuts at Acorn House from, from the start of this year, um, once a month. And when I got in there, so they've got a, a 16-bed hostel for um, homeless recovering addicts in Shoreditch. And that's that's above their training and development centre, which is where I was doing the haircuts. Um, and I saw everything that they had going on. I saw the kind of um, pretty extensive timetable uh, for training and development, things like... Um, Restoration, um, which is attached to a, a social en- enterprise that they've got called the Restoration Station, where they restore antique furniture and then sell it next door to the um, the hostel. Um, and um, I think barista training as well. Another social enterprise they've got is Paper and Cut, where they they do their barista training and then go and work in the coffee shop. Um, it's all kind of vocational. It's all very very practical. Um, practical skills that they can learn and then go on and hopefully get employment. Um, and I just thought, what, what a great addition barbering would be to that. Because um, like you said, learning, learning the fundamentals of barbering, um, it's, it's very doable in a, in a relatively short space of time. The barbering course that I did, although I'd had previous hairdressing experience, um, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't a necessity. Um, the, the course that I did aims to get you barbershop ready in, in nine weeks time so you can do it in a, a pretty short um space of time and it's very formulaic it's very teachable um so yeah i just thought what a great addition barbering would be to their their already fantastic timetable um and i think that's that's when I, I reached out to you and i spoke to the uh training and development manager at acorn house um and we kind of got the ball rolling um and i think it was from from that initial chat that we had to the first session it was only a couple of months yeah um so we got we got everything in place i i, I created my my 12 steps to barbering which uh, each one 
is like a pun on the 12 steps of 12 step recovery fellowships. Um, and each one is, is linked to what I'll be teaching in that session. Some more tenuously than others, but, but still kind of loosely linked. Um, although even keeping it pretty, keeping it pretty tenuous, even that was kind of intentional because, um, I can avoid rigidity with the structure of it. Um, because this is this is kind of uncharted territory for me as well. I've never taught barbers from from scratch. Um, gives me the 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 kind of the latitude and the leeway to be able to tweak and refine as I go, which I've been doing for the last five weeks. Um, but my um, yeah, my my small group of students are absolutely fantastic. They're they're amazing. They're, they're picking it up really quickly. They've kind of exceeded expectations with with how quickly they're picking it up. Um, and they're all so engrossed, so immersed in it as well. It's amazing to watch. It It looks almost like we've been talking about mindfulness meditation. It it looks almost meditative when I watch them do it. It's like to the exclusion of everything else. That'll be their section in um, and following their guides and, and just kind of going through the steps methodically. Um, and it's it's really pleasurable to watch. I'm getting a lot out of it. It's really, really rewarding. I've got to say that when when I went to the launch, um, we, we've had some help from you know. The, well, firstly, we got a, we've got a call out to the wonderful Julie Bellinger, who's like, uh, you, you you don't want to upset her, do you? She's like, <laughs> <laughs> don't upset Julie, but uh, she's also great at getting people on board to help. And we had you know help from. Um, Revlon, uh, American Crew, uh, Denman, this is all through Julie, Denman, Makita Scissors, um, forgive me if I've forgotten anyone, but, and that just, you know, they, they provided the equipment and the blocks and everything, didn't they? Um, and, 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 but that day, once all the photographs and the things, and we got down to it and everyone went, the introduction, I've not been so moved in a long time. I felt so privileged to to witness, you know, and, and it worked so well because when it when it, you came up with your links to the twelve steps of barbering and the program, and everyone, everyone, and we've kept it anonymous for them, and but everyone sat around and said their name, and you know, it, it, I felt so comfortable with it. I felt, and I knew they did. I knew that they instantly felt safe and at home in a strange environment, you know, for them. And as well that they were saying they need structure, you know, as I relate to, they need structure, they need uh, something to focus on because we can be chaotic, you know, and their lives can be very chaotic. And you gave that, and you, you won't probably like this, but you are such a wonderful teacher because you've got that, and because of your experience of uh, now, I understand talking to you, the experience of mindfulness that that you you're so um, you've got such a great way of getting across the message when you're teaching. That uh, I mean, I enjoyed it myself. I, I sort of tried to join in as well, and uh, I found out my sectioning could do a bit of improvement, which was really good. But you know, you're great. You're the perfect person for this, and. Um, it's it's if you believe in anything, you believe that that this thing came about not by accident, you know, like 
And I'm, I'm so excited that we've got something very special that can be um, shared out across the country, I think. Absolutely, mate. Thank you for the kind words, mate. I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I think. Every week when I teach them, um, I think this, this is definitely something that, that can be, like this as a template, yeah. can be um, taken elsewhere and, and it will work. Um, and it's, like you said, it's, it's, it's vitally important for, for people, especially in the early stages of recovery to have that structure. Um, and I've witnessed that over the last five weeks, they, they enjoy being at the Ibarba at 12 o'clock every Monday, um, knowing in advance what we're going to be doing, cracking on with it for the next two hours. And it, it gives their, it gives their Monday a, a kind of a focal point. Yeah. Uh, and that that's definitely something that um that can be can be replicated and we can take elsewhere and and, and a big like you you've jogged my mind as well the biggest thank you is to live arbor who have given their premises free of charge you know and full support for this so you know i've not met the the guys yet but i i'm really grateful to them because it's it's very generous what they've done it is incredibly generous, and I'm I'm very grateful to um, Frank Reimer, who's the the gaffer there. Um, yes, yeah, very kindly let us use the shop every Monday. Um, all the lads have to pack up all their equipment the night before. Yeah, uh, but no, it's, it's very kind, and it's it's a great place for them to learn. It's it's such an amazing shop. It's the real deal. It really know, nothing against colleges, you know, but to be in that real authentic. And it's a beautiful barbershop, like authentic, beautiful barbershop environment. Gives you that extra fit. Sure I, I hate these watches. <laughs> Stop listening to me. Uh, yeah, to give you that that sort of... Um, it, 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 it's, it's so much more special than a classroom or just a room in a unit somewhere. You know, it's, 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 it's so much. makes all the difference. One of the, one of the students... Uh, um has been a, a colorist for years. Um, yeah, and she's just been doing a client from home. Um, but being in the barbershop, she said it's kind of rekindled her passion for, for cutting air. And it's, it's made her realize that she would love to get back in a, a barbershop or salon environment again, which yeah. is, it's what we're aiming to do, isn't it? Yeah. Give people passion and people who um, may have um, previous experience who have kind of lost touch with it to, to rekindle that passion and encourage them to, to get back into it. And I think you'll find that, that when you do it and you're part of this process, that rekindles your own passion, doesn't it? You know, right. And it's forcing me to go back to the basics as well and yeah. kind of back complacent I've got over the last few years. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. It does even, you know, like myself. Um, and it's the thing with an old hairdresser like me, like an old dinosaur hairdresser. We do get in such set ways, and, and that you, you you get you get complacent. I think every day is a learning day. I love doing anything where it, it challenges me like that, because you, you realise that you know it's an ever evolving craft that we're in, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, what's the future then, my friend? Where where are we going to go with this? <laughs> we we haven't thought that far ahead, have we? <laughs> I'm, we're approaching halfway point now, so I've, I've yeah. been thinking. Of last uh week or two and um 
one of the things that encouraged me to do this initially was through talking to a couple of the guys at Acorn House, um, I realised that some of them had recently been released from kind of various institutions. And it, it got me thinking about um, recidivism and reoffending rates and the, that, um, that employment opportunities or lack thereof plays in that. Um, yeah. I, I would love to, to take it to um, a group of people who might otherwise struggle to, to receive training or, or become gainfully employed because of their history. Um, I spoke about this during the, um, the introductory session that um, barbering is quite, quite unique in that it tends to be quite, quite an informal recruitment process. Um, where if, if you can cut air and you seem like quite an affable person, more often than not, you, you'll get a job in a barbershop. Your, your history won't be scrutinised. It, it doesn't discriminate in the way that maybe some other professions do. So, so I'm thinking at the moment about groups that we can take it to um, that might otherwise struggle to, yeah. to receive similar. Amazing, yeah, and I, I'm with you on that, hundred percent. The amount of people I, the amount of people I come across uh, when I'm doing my work, and uh, they've just come out of a stretch, and they're, you know, I, I remember, I remember one. I was doing a chat a few years ago, and he just come out of a ten stretch, and he's, um, he was saying to me, "I think I'm going to go back in." And I said, Ain't you, you must be so pleased, you know, that you're out and you're free. And, you know, he said, he said, there's nothing for me. He said, there's nothing for me. He said, I'm going to, he said, I know what's coming. I'm just going to do something to get banged up again. I'm going to, I'm going to just, you know, he said a couple of things he was thinking of doing. And I just thought, where's the support? Where, where's the, you know, the man's done his time. He's come out and he's got no... He's almost scared to be out, you know. If you and you imagine if he had your program and, mm. and we were working with him, and you know, it may not stop him from doing them things. Let's be realistic. But at least he'd have more chance than just saying, "Look, I'm going back in," you know. And what good does that do to society? It costs society a fortune, you know. It's the the the, the money it would cost to, to do these things is far less than the money it costs to incarcerate somebody if they go back on that path. Absolutely. Completely agree, mate. Uh, one of my favourite books is um, A Sense of Freedom by Jimmy Boyle. It was like the... Jimmy Boyle? Talk. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. Um, and obviously towards the end of the book, um, he'd, he'd been like fighting the system his entire time inside, um, notoriously violent, um, always having scraps with the screws. And eventually they thought, Let, let's try a different tack here. And they kind of put him on this rehabilitation programme. Um, and he ended up becoming like a, a world-renowned sculptor, didn't he? And he wrote A Sense of Freedom Inside. Um, he's got another book called A Pain of Confinement that I've, I've never read. I must, must read that, actually. Um, but yeah, just that, that kind of rehabilitation rather than um, punishment. Yeah. It, it, it's more kind of, it's more prudent, it's more forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, well, and also what we need is another avenue of the guys that go through the training, and I'm sure we're going to be able to do this, 
we need to get and work, you know. So we need a, a road to recovery and then a road to work. Um, and I'm sure with the people that are already helping us, um, they're saying that they can then progress on to the, the main um, uh, training places. And I know we'll get some top people in the industry to then come and give a day, like, you know, or a half a day course with them. And I know, I just know everyone's going to be behind it, you know, like. So yeah. hopefully, if they stick the course, they'll then get more and more and more rewards as it goes on after that. Absolutely. It's exciting, mate. Talking to a couple of them yesterday, I, I think they're, they're, they're keen to stick with it and they're sort of already looking beyond um, the, the 12 weeks that we do together um, and where they can go with it after that. And I, I would obviously love to facilitate anything that they want to do in any way that I can. Um, I'd, I'd love to continue working with this this small group in addition to taking it wherever else we take it. Yeah. And the next group, you know, and the next, the next uh, candidates for it who really want to change, you know, bring bring about change in their life in, in the most positive of ways. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic. I'm so pleased that it's taken off like it has. And we, you know, We've got a, we've got a pilot crew of six, like, and I've I've said it many times. Even if five people drop out, but one person sticks, what price can you put on changing someone's life? You know, it, absolutely. It, it's it, everyone's worth everyone's worth to, uh, to be given a chance, but then at least you know everyone's everyone needs the ability to then take that further if they can and they really want to. Uh, I'm I'm really excited for it. Um, well, I've I've I love doing this because we do these things. We never get a chat. We have a little coffee after, and we you know, and we pass the time. But I just always end up feeling I know someone so much more after I've had a chat on a podcast or something like that. We'll yeah. put all the links to it. We'll put the links to the people who have helped us. We'll put the links to Acorn House and all the other stuff. So, um, and anything you can think of. But uh, normally I ask someone to send me a photo, but we had the lovely Jack Eames come along and take some proper photos of us. So <laughs> I've already got a fantastic photo of you outside our barber, so I don't even need one, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's, um, I, might be, I might be arrogant enough to do the one of the two of us, you know, right? Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that, we'll do that. Um, well, thanks a lot, mate. Um, I'm overdue a visit. I don't want to interrupt the, the guys, but I would definitely want to come down. I'm looking at probably mon Monday week or something, but I definitely want to come down and just let us know if there's anything you need me to bring along. I'm you know, more than happy to, to, to bend people's ears or get Judy too. <laughs> be great talking to you, mate. And you, mate. Thank you for having me. That's yeah. a pleasure. I really appreciate it. I'll speak to you very soon.